You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Yo, yo. Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. Welcome, Brad Wren. Hello, everyone. And John Curley. Hey, iRacers. On today's show, we get into the spirit of Christmas with an iRacing Christmas carol. We'll ask what's on our sim racing Christmas wish list. We'll look at what's in store for the oval racing in 2024 and give our thoughts on the upcoming loss of the member website. That's right, Mike. And if you join us at iRacersLounge.com and select show notes, you'll be able to see all these great stories and topics and products we'll be discussing on today's show. So go in, log in at iRacersLounge.com and select show notes, and we'll see you there. First up, we have some listener mailbag from Robbie Swan. He was listening today and heard that you guys talking about wishing that Mount Washington had a special event. Well, it's actually not dead. The Next Level Racing has put up a huge prizes, or put up huge prizes, three nice simulators for this year's Racecraft TV Race to the Summit. Qualifiers are open right now in Time Attack. Top 20 will be in Super Session, three runs per person. So is this official or hosted? Mike, I know you've been trying it. It's not in either. It's in time uh, time attack, and so if you go into time attack, or it used to be known as time trials, there's several different boxes of different cars on different tracks and different things. This one's at the top. It's sponsored, like you said, from Next Level Racing, and uh, I was excited to to hear about uh, this from Robbie, and uh, decided to participate. Um, you know, it's the rally cars, and you have the free beetle. You know, you don't have to buy that one. It's free. But well, anyway, I, that's free. That is official. Time attacks are official. Okay, you get what, saturated for them. Is that a license? What license would that be? Um, I, there's probably a minimum requirement. I don't know what it is, but you actually you can run time trials. Well, I don't know about time attack. Maybe t- I don't. Maybe time attack is different, but it, it's still built into the game. It's not run by a se- separate league or hosts or something. Yeah, so I took some of my time off and actually ran many attempts up the mountain trying to set a time. I initially just kind of drove up the mountain to just put up a time, okay, uh, without getting an incident. When I say drive, I mean not race. I mean try to just, you know, keep it on the pavement kind of thing. Once I did that, then I started going faster and faster and trying to uh, set a fast time. I think I got up to 51st. Remember, they only take the top 20. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to get to the top 20. Like, I was 51st, and to get to 50th, I needed another two seconds. And I was already like, man, I don't know if I can get another 10th out of this thing. But it's such a long course. I mean, the, the seconds are out there. You just have to spend the time, you know, or have the talent. Anyway, it was my reminder, and it, this is my reminder to everybody iRacing is more than what you regularly run. Don't forget that. You're paying for a service 
this is completely different. It's like a totally different sim when you're going point to point and it's not, you know, you're going from doing laps on a track. And so uh, it's a different kind of racing and I really enjoyed it. I like how you got really straight to the point on that. Um, however, Brian, something isn't right. Yeah, this uh, was uh, something that came up in the forums, uh, and uh, we know we had uh, Chili Bowl uh, was run this past weekend. Um, I watched it; it was pretty, it was pretty fun to watch. Um, but uh, in the forums, they posted that um, apparently there was a problem with the Chili Bowl super sessions, where there was a morning super session that did not take the top sixty into the top split. It it, it took all drivers and split them up equally. So there was a little bit of a, a mess up, I think. On iRacing's part on the super session. I think it was just it just mentioned one morning super session, so I don't think it was everything all week long as the uh, event approached. I think it was just a uh, one certain session that that messed it up. And uh, some of the some of the uh, posts in the forums were like, well, you know, this really made it the super session in this this instance completely worthless. So um, yeah, so some some guys are probably not super happy about it, but. Um, I know Greg West uh, was involved, and uh, just seemed like there was just a little mess up. So help my ignorance is somebody who's come back to the service after many years. What are super sessions? Oh, the idea is throughout the week, Monday through Friday, you participate in the regular official oval series or whatever series this is, and and the points accumulate. And then on Saturday, they have what's called a super session, which is supposed to be the top 20 or whatever in points for the week. And so, and then it's supposed to split the the super session by those points. This post is saying that didn't happen. It split it by I rating um, based on everybody who showed up. So, like if you didn't make the top 20 and you're 21st and then the, one of the top 20 don't show up, then you make the race. And so uh, that's kind of how it works. Okay. All right. So we know that because of rain probably and the fact that they're focused on, on the uh, rehash of the oval, there wasn't that much new oval content, but John, we've got a video that has some guesses on, onto some things we might be seeing soon. Uh, yeah, they've got some, uh, we got a video out, uh, Nibon did this one, exploring some of the oval content that's going to come in 2024 as well as some speculation, but we've got some really good old tracks, Winchester Speedway, Anderson Speedway is a possibility. Uh, he's thinking maybe North Wilkesboro getting a new scan. I don't know if anybody out there saw some of the video of the repave at North Wilkesboro, but man, that track looks sweet. And then maybe even some street stock bodies and ARCA body updates coming. I really wish they would go scan Memphis before it gets too out of shape. Yeah, it's a great track. Remember that back from the uh, NR2 2003 days. You mentioned the Winchester was just a mention by Dale Jr., the director of iRacing. But, he, but nobody's heard from anyone in iRacing besides Dale Jr. about Winchester. So... It's kind of speculation there on some of these. And obviously, he has a few others, Micro for the pavement, and then California, the new track, uh, whatever it may be. And I think they've confirmed we are getting what the dirt micros, right? When they think that's coming along with um, uh, what's the uh, the track down there, Charlotte, Carolina, Millbridge. 
I actually don't know what a dirt micro is. Is it just like even smaller than a midget? Yeah, it's smaller than a midget. It uses a um, 600cc motorcycle engine in it instead of a you know um, the the small blocks that they use in the micros or the midgets, and uh, they're just scaled down version of sprint cars, really. Well, uh, I think for the Opal guys, it sounds good. Some more short tracks, and um, I know there's been talk about the uh, street stocks, but I think that's kind of been somewhat confirmed-ish. Yeah, there has been on that for sure. The Arca, I mean, they initially, you know, when they first made the mistake on the Arca car and made Gen 4, I think initially they said we would do something, but we haven't heard nothing on that since. And these two cars graphically are identical, the Arca and the Gen 4. Love to see a, an update there to differentiate these two cars. And, they, and Nick Nevon was also talking about maybe having the different um, manufacturers for the uh, Arcas instead of, you know, right now it's all, all the Chevys, right? Um, they, were, they were looking at having all three manufacturers come in, and he was speculating whether they would charge, um, you know, they would be separate purchases like they are now with all the other NASCAR stuff, which he thinks they will be, and I agree with him. He probably will. Isn't the Arca free content, though, for the beginner? Yes, that's a, that's a free car. Yeah, so you almost have to give them a free D car, you know, for oval as part of the package. But yeah, pretty cool video. Now the California track, California is not going to be built um, in twenty twenty four. I don't believe. I think they're going to they're speculating twenty twenty five. But iRacing worked with California, the you know, the Auto Club track to to make the new short track version. So iRacing might have their own um, um, their own mock up of that track that that California's basing the real one on. So in in essence, iRacing might already have the track before it's even built. Well, didn't we do that before with some track? I can't remember. I think I raised and helped with what the reconfiguration of Atlanta, um, Chicago street course, but I think primarily Atlanta. I mean, maybe maybe the uh, uh, the clash. I think that was part was of it. The clash. Maybe we got the track first in iRacing before they actually ran it. Yeah, we had we did have the the uh, the track before they ran the event. I'm almost positive. And that could, and that's what you're saying could happen with California. Perhaps we get the track before it's actually being raced on, and you know maybe it, it, it's to be raced on in 2025, Brian. But that means maybe they need to work on it in 2024. I don't know. Has Has there actually been a formal announcement of what that track is going to be like? With you know the length and all that sort of thing. The president of NASCAR uh, last week. Um, Confirmed based on iRacing models is definitely a short track, but that's all we got. Yeah, Steve Phelps was on, uh, I think, Sirius XM, I think. All right, it's rant time. Warning, rant incoming. All right. I don't know what kind of music we should put on this. Maybe just kind of some kind of alarm or, or bomb siren. You'll, you'll find, you'll, you'll have already heard it if I throw something in. But um, they're killing the website, and the beta UI is terrible. It's just not good. Um, my rant's over, but I think I think Mike has more to add to that. Cody uh, Downard in the forums he put up an interesting reply on this post, um, and I thought it was interesting because he takes it scientific. He takes it mathematical. Uh, let me read some of what he wrote here. 
from going from nothing to the main screen, then to hosted races. Um, that's not including click to bring up a race. Just to get to the page on the site, it takes 8.4 seconds. To do the same thing in the UI, it takes 13.8 seconds. Then he goes on to go from the main page to hosted racing. The site takes 3.1 seconds, while the UI is 4.8. To go from nothing to the main screen, hosted races, joining a race, and the second the join button pops, site 21 seconds, UI 31 seconds, 10 second difference. Uh, just timed them both uh, and made sure. And so um, I love it when you have actual facts to back up what I already feel. Like, man, this is slower. There's more clicks and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's, you know, 10 seconds. There it is. So isn't the intent basically they're working to migrate the UI into a web page? And that what we've talked about? Uh, no, the latest thing they said is that they're going to put a web page in the UI, essentially. Uh, it makes even more confusing sense. <laughs> they they want it to run through the UI because it, it it it's just more secure. But so my my wish is that they would just fix it. Literally, actually put put the old website in the UI. I'll open the damn UI as long as I can use those bookmarks in the website. <laughs> that would that would be a really quick immediate solution instead of going with the pro product that's still just not as good. You know, I think they indicated they're just going to use a different architecture for building the UI or something like that, a different, different uh, platform. Well, I saw that some people suggested in here that going to the UI is based at least in part on some of the anti-cheat uh, uh, functions that they're going to implement, which I guess they say is incompatible with the, the browser UI. I don't know if there's truth to that, but there's some people have suggested that. They've said that themselves. That's what I meant partially by security. So I even replied, I'm going to read my reply. This, it's clearly less efficient. Even if they mimicked or ported the site into the UI, it would be better than what they came up with. Recently, I had to deal with a UI where it wouldn't launch the server. It kept saying lost connection. I actually tried three times in a row, and I knew if I just pop open Chrome to the member's site, it would work. So I did that, and boom, it did. So what's going to happen in 2024 when that UI fails three times in a row? Where will I turn to then? Removing the website before the UI is rock solid is probably not the best idea. Because I was thinking about that. I was like, I'm literally stuck where I can't get into the server. I missed the start of the race because of it. I'm pissed off. At least I could open the website and launch. Otherwise, what? I mean, how would I have fixed it? Reboot my computer or something? Restart the UI? I mean, I don't know. Well, chalk it up is uh, the worst move ever, title idea. As we're talking about the things on the negative side, this isn't i racing direct this is more esports racing in general uh dj easy posted a video saying that 2023 may have been a disaster for sim racing esports um and it started with the uh williams esports incident at daytona right um I, I watched this, but it's been so many so many days since I watched it. I can't remember all the details. They were racing on the apron, um, and also using lapped cars to block other uh, other cars, right? Uh, and then there, the Le Mans race, the server failed several times. 
right? What else? What else happened, guys? There was a race in the F1 uh, 2003 where uh, there was uh, they they caught somebody with a cheat code in their um, files and they didn't do anything about it. Isn't the one where two, somebody took a screenshot and somebody saw the screenshot and that was how they exposed themselves? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then you got that Ring Sport title, you know, running a esports competition that nobody watches, by the way, um, or owns. And on on a software title that has been rumored to have stolen code from other titles. Yeah, and he doesn't even get into the motorsports uh, company pretty much failing in in front of your eyes the entire year, and and all that that's come with with Indy pulling their license and all the other nonsense that's going on with that. So um, you can probably add that to that video if you really wanted to. But I'm glad that at least. When, as far as iRacing goes, it wasn't a um, software. It wasn't a software problem. It was just conduct within um, within the the members or the, uh, the drivers that that was he pointed out. It wasn't like uh, well, iRacing really screwed this up with their uh, with their software. So it, at least at least it's not a software issue where iRacing the game itself was a problem. Yeah, kudos, Brian. Kudos to that because in previous years we would have been saying, "Oh yeah, when when that a big event you know didn't launch on time and we all had to wait three or four hours for it to launch or or whatever happens, you know, because we had that happen for several years in a row where they were having issues with the big events, you know." I would like to hear from from iRacing if the streaming restriction is still in play because if, if that contract is invalid um does does indy still say you can't stream on any other platform or could leagues go back to broadcasting indie indie racing leagues even if the indy 500 doesn't come back it's a good point you know is anything different you know i don't know I could understand them not bringing back the special event, but that that exclusivity deal with where not being allowed to broadcast or motorsports games can't come after you now. So is Indy still restricting that for any reason, or is that now no longer exclusive? And can we put Indy back on the schedule? You know, in the in the twelve week seasons for the that. That's a little bit bigger of a deal because of the, you know, possible b- bad blood between the two organizations. Now, it may be possible that in, that that sent, that iRacing's just got reasons to be pretty pissed with with IndyCar, with with the way things went down. Because we think don't know how the deal much, went down. Pretty much every member of iRacing is pretty well pissed with IndyCar over it. All right, uh, Brian, you you're pretty good at reviewing our. IMSA and dirt road type stuff. We got the IMSA champions. Yeah. So uh, I recently posted uh, the winners of the VRS or I'm sorry, of the IMSA esports global championships for the year. Um, so uh, in uh, 2023, the fastest GTP class cr- uh, crown was awarded to the 91 team of VRS Coanda Porsche. Um, they, they had two drivers of Charlie Collins and Julian Suinen, and uh, they take the championship for them. And uh, Team Red Lion in the GTD, the num- number uh, 170 team, 
with uh, Oli uh, Steinbratten and Gianni Vesicchio. So uh, congratulations to those guys. IMSA champions for the year. So congratulations. Um, uh, Coanda, uh, Charlie Collins is a, is a big esports uh, Porsche driver for their um, for the uh, the Tag Heuer Porsche Championship season series. So you know he's obviously a very accomplished driver. Um, so yeah, these guys are really pulled out some uh, big wins. Wasn't it the Coanda team where everybody basically dropped out of everything I racing and went went to run only the Le Mans twenty four blah blah blah. Or am I remember getting them mixed up with somebody no, else? No, you're right. Uh, um, I think it's Josh Rogers and um, um, Mitchell DeYoung. I think they both they they were they are both uh, Coanda drivers, and they they went over to a different. But they still have Coanda still has a team that does i racing stuff. I'm sure we'll see them in the 24. Maybe not those 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 guys. Uh, will and um, and Mitchell, but uh, we'll see other Coanda teams. Yeah, it's a four race championship you're talking about, but the final race, Casey Kerwin uh, takes the checkered flag with Owen Carlisle in the Cadillac for X set. Uh, impressive, Casey Kerwin, you know, Coke driver, Coke champion, uh, crossing over, doing IMSA championship thing, and you know, and winning races. That's cool. All right, this next one we've we've slapped around and probably shot down in the past. Uh, Jonathan Pugh posted a, a form saying it would be interesting if there were engine failures and brake failures. They want more mechanical issues, and um, no. <laughs> I think I think Tim Doyle summed it up in response by saying, "Nope, I already have it with technical difficulties." Yeah, you've got random crashes, you've got power outages, you've got uh, your gas pedal stops working, pedals break, wheel shuts off and on, four-speed pack shuts off, it's all covered. The internet cuts out. <laughs> well, but, yep. well, I mean, what if you are damaging the vehicle, whether it's engine, transmission, or something? I mean, should that come into effect at some point? Yes, well, it does. I mean, there's several posters uh, uh, on this page that say they've had uh, engine damage after the uh, Flangsgarten jump at the Nordschleife. And, and I posted a video this week of, to you guys in the chat of me taking air uh, in the McLaren at the Nordschleife over that uh, hill because it's a real high speed straight, but it, there's some up and down to it. And when you go over the hill, it launches you four tires off the ground. And what uh, several people had said is you actually can get engine failure because of the damage you get from doing that. And it's not engine, but if you hit a curb too hard in a prototype, um, or like, especially if it's like a turtle, you will damage the floor and lose speed. Um, the only thing that might make sense is if you're just really getting the brakes too hot, brake fade and brake failure would be a nice addition. Something that it has to do with actually abusing the car with, with wear and tear, not just some random dice throw that pops an engine. So right. what you're talking about is stuff that might actually damage it. Maybe if you rev the engine too high. Now, if, actually, if you rev the engine too high, you can pop an engine. Um, uh, put it in seventh. Wrong gear. Jump, <laughs> yeah, jump in, a, jump in a prototype, get it up to full speed, drop it down into third gear and let go of the clutch, and, and boom, your engine's gone. You can, you can blow a motor in the pro trucks by gassing it when you're in the air too much, you know? So th that, that can be damaged too. Um, so... I've, 
I've lost engines in stock cars before downshifting too early. Okay. Now, um, rolling through here, when somebody brought up flat spots, um, again, ignorance been gone for six years, but I thought at one point we were very close to getting flat spots years ago. No, but if you yeah. if you uh, if you get into a spin or or anything where you really abuse a tire, it will get too hot and it will be no good for several laps. It takes yeah. it has to cool back down. Yeah, I mean I know there's the heat. It almost covers that. Okay. So yeah, random? That, no. Abu uh, yes. Right. Yes. Right. Just like some weird uh, engine failure for for no reason other than bad equipment. I don't. I'm not sure about that. But but yeah, I think abusing your vehicle, abusing parts, should come into play in iRacing. And and that's one of the things that makes you know people have talked about drag racing on iRace on iRacing. Engine failure is like so common in drag racing that it would almost have to you know you you'd have to have it all the time otherwise it wouldn't be realistic look i want to take a nascar perspective from this how many times in real nascar in 2023 did we see blown engines just random blown engine you Any? don't see it anymore you don't see it anymore right so what, what i propose is in, in if you're running gen 7 next gen car there are no blown, you know, random engines. But if you're in the 87s, or if you're in the Gen 4, if you're in the the 87 Legends cars, back in 1987, they had engine failures randomly. You know, uh, and how many a, a race? One a race at least. Somebody would blow up. Okay, so that that would be kind of cool because it mimics the period. It mimics that style of racing. I'd be cool I with agree. it. I absolutely do not agree because you don't have a team actually building that engine. Okay. A lot of times when those engine failures would happen in real life, it's because they put something too close to the edge of the tolerance. All right. It was how much can you get away with? All right. We're ha having it be a matter of a dice throw. No. All right. If you want to put a slider on there that says you, that you can actually give up, you can actually get more horsepower for a higher chance of blowing the engine up and let that be a part of the setup page. Maybe. But just 100% random? No, that's because that's we don't have a crew actually building the car. So we shouldn't have to be dealing with, we're not playing Dungeons and Dragons. We're, play, we're playing iRacing. Well, and, you know, we used to deal with that to some degree. Um, I know you can't, I guess, just tape anymore, but you used to be able to, you know, to add tape throughout the race. And you, you played the game when it came to, to running the car too hot. Yeah. Tape was huge back then, wasn't it? I mean, and, and that's what we talked about in team chat during the race a lot was, oh, yeah, I'm going to bump it up, you know, one more percent, you know. Oh, we're at the final restart. I'm going to I'm going to nail it. I'm going to put it to 100 percent. David did that a lot. David, you would always uh, tape that baby up on the last run, wouldn't you? Uh, well, yeah, if you've only got a green and white checkered, you, you know, you can run qualifying set up just about. So Matthew Wise uh, had a post on the forums called Sim Racing Clichés. So, um, you know, there's a long list of these, and I'm sure that we could probably add some more on here. All right. All right. All right. Everybody, let's just take it easy into turn one. <laughs> yeah, I'm just here for SR. You know, uh, this is my first race in the car. I'll stay out of everybody's way. You know, three minutes before the race, anybody got a setup? Send it. You can't win the race in turn one. Now, That's a protest. 
Yeah, not necessarily a well. I guess it's it's a cliche, more of a visual. What do you do when you when you see somebody show up in a Red Bull livery or a Hendrick livery? <laughs> any of these? Uh, that's about all of them. Yeah, any. It was a pretty good thread though. I do like the people asking for setups right before races start. It's like I could give you one, but you haven't pra- you have no time to practice in it. It would be it would be pointless for me for me to give it to you. You know what I did once? It was a long time ago, but somebody did that. I and I was running the fixed set, so I just sent him the fixed set. <laughs> but do, do a small change to it, like like make it even tighter. <laughs> I didn't rename it or anything. It's just this set share, you know, share set. That kind of sounds like a not top ten move, uh, Mike. Yeah, we got a video not top ten for December. And uh, boy, some of these we've seen earlier in the last few weeks as one-off videos on social media. So some of them aren't new, but boy, the the IMSA cars, the GTP cars at uh, Bristol at the end is just priceless. And at the end of this, he, he has it as number one, but then he continues to show B-roll of it, like on boards and different things at the end of the video of this uh, these Enza cars, you know, lapping at Bristol, trying to miss the wrecks, and it looks like such a blast. Yeah, I like the uh, those two of them where somebody had gotten the car turned sideways, uh, exiting the pits, and it's the old Austin Bowers, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, trying to get the car turned. I can't think who, but I think somebody wanted to try to host something like this. And I think they said they were going to try to set it up, volunteered and everything. Who was that? Well, I think I'd volunteer to do it. Heck, I I want to see, I want to give these Imza cars a shot on Bristol. I don't. I, did anybody? Uh, I didn't see what speeds they were running. I know it was fast, but I couldn't tell what the miles per hour were. Well, here's something that we could do: is uh, make the cars invulnerable. Yeah, of course, no damage, and uh, and then that way people don't have to pit and get repaired and all that. And you, you, I, it'd be kind of tough to say don't wreck intentionally, but you, at the same time, you're going to get in wrecks unless you really limit the fields. This is something that almost you would need to do heat racing with. If you, if you wanted it to be legitimate, you'd have to make it like five prototypes and five GTs per, per heat. They also had uh, two Austin Power videos where where the car was uh, got spun sideways exiting the pit road, you know, and had to make a 24 point turn to get out of there. And the funny thing was they actually had the video, the audio of the, another driver trying to exit pit road. That's blocked by this car. That's just go incrementally going back and forth, back and forth. And the guy's like, just eject, eject, trying to tell him to, to escape. So he can get, get out of pit road. Uh, must've been pretty frustrating for that guy, but it was kind of funny to see. 12 wide at Talladega. We saw that one before. And then a figure eight of uh, GT3s with Formula Vs. And the Formula Vs are all uh, painted like bumblebees, like uh, <laughs> a bright yellow. And uh, boy, it's it's quite the carnage at the uh, figure eight track between these two sets of cars. Yeah, that was, I liked that one a lot. That was funny. And um, that was at the new figure eight configuration at, um, at Slinger, I believe. So, um, yeah, the, the, the GC cars are just plowing through the V's as they piled up at that intersection. And, and, you know, they're so much bigger and heavier than the Formula V's. They're just 
blowing them away. So it was funny. Yeah, and then we also got a tweet with a continuation of the IMSA at Bristol with some onboards that Alex Horn from iRacing posted to Twitter. And the onboards really show you what kind of fun this is as the GTPs are dicing through the GT3s uh, on the Bristol Oval. So was this week 13 thing or are these hosted sessions? I don't think that was, uh, it, yeah, it must have been hosted. I don't think it was in week 13. I like that one of the guys who was in that race. You can hear him on his mic cue and it's like, there's a reason why they don't do this in real life. It was kind of funny. Well, maybe we can try something uh, kind of like Chris McGuire hosted events uh, on uh, maybe like New Year's Eve Eve. So GTPs, GT3s, and let what would be the third car we could add? Something slower? A maybe the car? Toyota GR86? Yeah, the Mazda Cup car. Formula V. And then damage off. Yeah, it'll be fun. We could do it at a big track, too. Like, try it at a mile and a half and try it, try it at a full-on drafting track. Remember back in the day, I guess, doing what? Talladega with no lights or Daytona with no lights or something? I was in a... A, a race once that does weird combinations and they did a they did one where they ran out of of sunlight at Dega and I mean it got to the point you couldn't see the cars in front of you like right right in front of you it was that's, completely yeah, I've light. done that that's fun now it's with cup cars um I don't remember what combination it was it was a stock uh, car of some kind because there were no headlights I was going to say that still would be fun even with you cut out there, Brian. You, you stopped transmitting. You said that still will be fun. That's all we heard. Yeah. No, I think your Starlink's actually going a little hairy. Your the, picture froze uh, as well. Cadillac at Talladega in the dark because it has headlights is really fun. Because um, everyone's headlights are on and the headlights are enough to really race with. And, and uh, But the track's not lit, so it, it's pretty cool. All right, Brian, let's see if your Mac's back on. Tell us about Woo Sprint Cars Week 6. All right, guys, you got a copy on me? So uh, Week 6, World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, uh, presented by Thrustmaster. Uh, we're at the home of sprint car racing, the world-famous Knoxville Speedway. So uh, fast track, big track, high speeds, um, and it was completely dominated by Alex Bergeron. So uh, Alex Bergeron, well, he actually didn't. He um, finished out. He started on the second spot in the heat race and wound up winning the heat race for the pole position. And he pretty much went wire the wire on this thing. Um, so he, he really ran well. Um, it was great racing all along. Um, the fight in the feature between um, third and eighth place was crazy for a lot of laps. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was just, it was a good racing, even though Alex kind of walked it, walked the dog on it. Um, finishing second was uh, Aiden Forster and Logan Rumsey finished third. Alex Bergeron's third win of the season, so third win out of six weeks, but still only sixth place in points. So uh, he had two really bad weeks, one miss, a feature miss, one dead last uh, in the feature. So uh, yeah, so he's still only sixth in points. Uh, Ryan Avilia is uh, still the points leader for the second week in a row. Aiden Forster, who finished second in the race, is second in points now. And Logan Rumsey, who's third in points, finished third in the race. Um, still uh, four weeks to go. Um, it's 
still uh, anybody's anybody's championship at this point. Um, a lot of good racing ahead of us, and uh, you know Alex Bergeron, if he can continue to uh, clock clock in some wins, could get himself back in this championship race. Uh, well within his ability for sure um so um great great racing uh the the series is going to be off for the next two weeks so they're on a two-week hiatus for the holidays and uh, they'll be back in the um i think january 8th for their next race wait they're taking christmas off and new year's he leads every lap i mean what a recovery from some of the troubles he he's had yeah, I, I watched this this race. Uh, in fact, I've been watching most of these, and it's a little different. You know, we're mostly asphalt drivers on the show, but I'll tell you what, these races, uh, they're a lot of fun to watch. In fact, so much fun, I'm, I'm toying with the idea of trying to get in these and see what it's like to do it uh, more, because, man, the, the, these guys are fun to watch. Yeah, this the cars are really a lot of fun to drive. You know, even starting off into 305s, um, the the races are every hour. You can pop into a race all the time, um, but yeah, it's it's, it's great fun. Um, there's no cautions in the um, in the 305. It doesn't you don't start getting caution laps until you get into the um, the 360s and the 410s. All right, all I want for Christmas. iRacing's asking what sim upgrades you might be asking for for Christmas. Let's just go down the row, starting with the mic. Uh, nothing for me. Uh, Christmas is pretty lean this year. Uh, bachelor and the bachelor pad. I, I got stocking up, but I don't have a tree or anything. Uh, after just building everything back in the summer, just some odds and ends, uh, powered USB hub and, uh, you know, bits and pieces like that. Nothing really, nothing really big. Still toying with the idea of, you know, button box at some point, but again, can't really decide on what I want <laughs> I definitely don't have anything that needs replacing at the moment, so I'm pretty well good to go. So I'm just finishing my computer build. So, I mean, that was kind of a necessity more than a want. But um, I did get one thing that I wanted uh, during Black Friday. I got a Pimax Crystal headset. So um, it's been sitting in the box for a while since since Black Friday because um, I can't I haven't got my computer up and running to, to install it yet. But that's. That was my uh, my get for Christmas. So staying with the uh, Christmas theme, uh, Sim uh, Trauma Team Sim Racing posted an iRacing theme Christmas carol for the season. Uh, watched this the other night and tried to show the wife, and she didn't find it very humorous. Do you want to sing us the words so everyone can hear it? <laughs> Absolutely not. We're sim racing. We're sim racing today. Yeah, that, that's about all I'll, I'll say. It was yeah, pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and some of the videos were fun, too, because it had like a, a Formula V race, or it was, a, I think it was an open wheel race. And it, it was blue screen, green screen behind the guy who was singing the song. And he's like running. He's pretending like he's running as these cars are chasing him. It looks pretty good. Uh, and that was, it was, that was, that was funny. I like that. Uh, some of the lines in there were really good about, uh, you know, about spending his mortgage on iRacing, stuff like that, which we can, we can all relate to at some point. Yeah, it was pretty neat how he used a lot of the uh, either pit crew or officials and stuff like that uh, in the video as well. So it was pretty, uh, pretty creative. 
All right. When I logged on to get ready for the league race, I was surprised with the patch because I had not really been looking at the site. Uh, fortunately, it was pretty small, but season one patch two, actually not patch one, like it says on the on the header, was released. We got um, a few uh, just changes here and there. Um, looks like some changes to the interface, I guess. I think Especially, the big one, David was the graphics uh, uh, with the trees. They have a new thing called speed tree system. And basically, if you're running low video memory, it's gonna quickly uh, change the processing of those tree textures, uh, should result in better frames uh, for people that use the low video memory. Yeah, that was that was gonna be the biggie. Then there looks like, looks like just a lot of balance of power and uh, small adjustments to vehicles a lot of damage model tweaks do you think that rain's coming in a patch like this season here you know we're in the season one this is patch one but they've been known to go to patch two patch three you know in subsequent weeks they've released things in the middle of a season before like the next and gen only three cars you know in a certain series it makes sense. All right, Brian, what uh we got some bad news with Coke series. Yeah, this uh kind of came out of nowhere, but uh Stuart Haas Esports uh SHR uh posted on on X that they after much deliver deliberation they have decided to shut down their esports operation in twenty twenty four. Um so I mean they had two great drivers, Dylan Duvall and Steven Wilson. Um and uh, as their drivers, but in 2023, but they're not going to come back in 2024. Um, sad to hear it. Um, who knows the reason behind it? I don't know. If maybe they just weren't getting the value out of uh, out of it that they thought. Who knows? But uh, but it's it's kind of sad thing. We know that there are other people who are looking to get to get into, uh, especially the Coke series, as far as. Um, having teams so i think this spot will be filled fairly easily but it's just just a just a little sad to see something like this happen well mike conti's setup shop we he talked about one uh he's going to be a coke team and so maybe he took the slot the, I, the you, you asked about value for this team i mean how much more value do you need when your driver steven wilson wins the championship i mean that's that's the cream of the crop there, but then you leave after winning the championship. Yeah, go out on top, I guess. This is happening in real life racing too, right? Hasn't a truck champion quit racing that year as well? Uh, Furniture Row, remember Furniture Row? Oh, yeah, that was Cup. I think it's happened in, at the truck level too. Well, I think this. Uh, so Stuart Haas was also uh, Sadler. I think Sadler shut down uh, their esports as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. I know in the on X there was a guy that in response to it, a guy Daniel Corso says I could be way wrong, but how much actually goes into having an esports team uh, where they have to shut it down instead of continuing? You know, and I I guess it's somewhat of a mystery to me. I mean, you know, most of us don't know well what really goes into it, and you know what kind of financial commitment does it take to to run one of those teams i you know you just wonder was it was it money because most things these days are motivated by money or you know money's what controls everything so i wonder if that was it i don't know this for sure but i'm i'm 
I'm fairly confident that a pretty good chunk of the prize pool is coming from essentially dues. For you have to basically pay to race to, to like a, for, for the charter. A charter, right? And and um, so they're put. They're probably putting money into that prize pool, even though they may win it back. That you know that goes to the driver and then the teams. But what they're supposed to be getting as a return on their investment is exposure and advertising. It, it, revenue and that's probably the, somewhere in their metrics they're probably determining that they're not getting enough back for the money they're spending well they're paying so, these drivers some money too and Stuart uh, Haas Racing is in flux guys they got new drivers Harvick's retired uh, sponsors are bailing you know they lost Smithfield Bacon they lost uh, uh Joey Logano took the pizza one. What was the pizza name? Uh, Hunt Brothers. Hunt Brothers, right. And so, you know, we haven't heard Stuart announcing any new, you know, replacement sponsors. So I would say when John talks about it's about money, I would say, yeah, it's probably about money. And if the sponsors don't believe that it's getting enough eyeballs, eyeballs to make it worth putting money towards it, then the teams are not going to spend the money. Now, so, what does this say about the overall health of the Coke series uh, in general? Well, that's where I was going. I mean, I don't know necessarily even just the Coke series, but what about esports in general? Um, you know, from an iRacing iRace standpoint to promote it, NASCAR to promote it, um, you know, is is esports healthy enough to, to support stuff like this, at, at least from a sponsorship um, level? I'll ask the guys at Coke. You know, Coca-Cola, they're they're the ones footing the bill. The big but are but are they? Because like I think some of the money is coming from the teams. Could be, yeah. All right. So John, why don't we follow all of NASCAR's rules? Yeah, so Kevin Mosley posted on the uh iRacing forum his question was why doesn't iRacing follow actual NASCAR rules? And man, there's there's a lot to unpack on this but one of the things he threw out for example is there's no such thing as off track in nascar except passing under double yellow and super speedways so his you know his thought is well why are we doing this in i racing and there's there's some others in there but you know we could probably come up with a longer list of nascar rules that i racing doesn't follow maybe it's too hard to implement maybe it's impossible to implement one is six-minute max rule to repair and rejoin a race. You know, iRacing doesn't do that. If you've got 30 minutes for repairs and there's time to do it, let the car get fixed, you get to go back out there. So uh, he brings up some good points, but I, I don't know. Good questions. Minimum speed requirement. Why did the 87s have a lucky dog? Yeah. Well, I think we need to remember, too, that it's – you're not with the 87s and it's brought up in the post we're, we're not racing in the era you're racing an 87s car so when somebody compared it to vent you know like vintage car racing i think that's a great way to look at it you're taking a vintage car and you're racing it but we're not going back and running on 1985 version of rockingham you know you're running you know it's charlotte 2008 or whatever it is um and then it's also brought up in there that you know it, I race it as a sanctioning body, and ultimately, first uh, is 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 the sports code or the sanctioning body that you know that manages this, and they can kind of do what they want to do. And I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, I just 
I think you can get really into the weeds with a lot of this stuff, and there's a lot of things that the, the thread gets almost starts to get a little ugly with the, with the banner back and forth. Um, but you know, I, I think there's there's the opportunity to get things as close as you can. But will it ever be real world? No, no I don't think so. Well, like the eighty sevens are a good uh, something to pick on here because they did imitate some of the rules, like having uh, on restarts lap cars on the inside lane while lead lappers are on the outside lane. So those so those lap cars can try to race the leaders to get their lap back, old school style. So they do that. And, and so, you know, some people would say, well, why can't, you know, so let's just cut the lucky dog because, you know, we have the racing uh, because of the restart thing. And let's uh, have no speeding on pit road. You know, let's let's have it where iRacing has a set where it's old school style where you just pull into pit road and pit and there was no speed limits. And in the new in the new uh, version of NASCAR, you know, I, I guess the glaring uh, thing is like the, the choose cone would be the glaring omission uh, from real world. You know, to a point you can do this staging stage racing but that really only makes sense to me and in, in a lot longer races you know i don't think you need stage racing and in, in some of the shorter races but but the the choose cone seems like to me to be the biggest thing in um in current nascar that we don't do that that they do and that's probably just hard to implement software wise and also think about how bad we are at, at getting lined up especially at some of the sort tracks already when, when you have people coming out of the pits late and the software lets them get in front of people who were over half a track ahead of them when they came out of the pits. Um, it, it'd be a nightmare. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not sure if I, I think it needs to be in there, the choose cone. Cause I think you're right about all that stuff, David. I just, it's just a omission, I guess. And on, on the six minute repair clock, uh, if people are out that long and, and then they stick around and race, usually they're just doing it to kind of getting SR anyway. And also these cars, when they were fixed, they're not as bad as somebody who goes and drives out, goes out and starts driving with the car with parts still flying off of it. Yeah, the thing I always try to remember when, you know, if there's, there's some kind of system or rule that I don't like, I always fall back on the fact that, everybody's running under the same rules, you know, no, just because, you know, I can't, uh, you know, I get penalized if I go off the track. So does everybody else. So it's not like I'm getting the shaft and everybody else gets a free pass. We got the same rules we, we live by. So I just keep that in mind and just race. All right. It's events time. And we're now talking 2024 events as we've knocked out all the 2023 ones. The first one is the Roar. It's a little bit different this time in the car class. Everything else is about the same. 30-minute warm-up, 8-minute qualified, 2.4 hours solo racing. i uh, got to have the D-Class, a lot of the same starting times that we see every time. But here is what has changed. The balance of power is not listed yet, but we're running the LMP3 class this time. Um, and then there are five cars from the GT4 class, and four cars from the touring car class. Has this been, I think this has been gone for a few years. I know when I ran it years ago, it was the MX-5. So have they changed the, the car makeup through the years? Well, it's not the MX-5s. So, yeah. Yeah, they, they've changed <laughs> it off. And, yeah, every year it's something different, I think. 
the LMP3 is a new car, and this is the that, that's supposed to be in the the uh, run with those other two cars. Essentially, in the Michelin Pilot series, essentially one of the the kind of the minor leagues for IMSA. So, yeah, that's what they worked towards last year. I think they actually had GT3s instead of the LMP3. Um, but yeah, this year it's GT4 touring car and LMP3. Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity for anybody interested in doing some road racing. You can do a two and two point four hour step by yourself and see what it's like. Great practice for the twenty four. It's not the same cars as the twenty four, though. Not anywhere close. I mean, you might sort of get close if you go ahead and run the LMP three now, but a touring car is a front wheel drive. That's that's and the GT four again is you know no downforce no. Uh, just not not anywhere near the same as trying to run one of the prototypes or even a GT3. I don't own any of these cars, I think. The other thing I want to say is the poster. They have a poster on the page. This is different than the normal graphic that they've been doing all year. And if this is the way they're going to do the graphics for the special events for 2024, I'm excited to see what they come up with with for the 24 or for the Daytona 500 and and stuff, uh, but it really looks sharp. And it's very reminiscent of your, uh, you know, a, a program from from the actual race event or or posters, like the front of the of a program, right? Exactly. Team Conti Sim Performance connecting oval sim racers with some of the best who have competed at the highest level of eNASCAR competition. From our wide variety of setup offerings to our coaching services that help racers reach their fullest potential, TCSP is data-driven, people-focused, and ready to help you fight to the top of the iRacing Oval Ladder. Check us out at www.teamconti.gg. podcast housekeeping leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform that makes it easier for more listeners to find us mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out we do appreciate it check out our discord and get involved in this conversation and our website iRacersLounge.com. you can see the script notes we're also in regular rotation at performance motorsports network and don't forget your iRacers Lounge merchandise. I got a hat on. I love it. It's my daily driver. There's great shirts and different things. I got this giant mouse pad. There's all kinds of cool stuff. It's iRacersLounge.shop. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Our first hardware topic is SimGrade VX Pro Pedals. Presented by Sean Cole from Simpit Reviews. Uh, what do you think, John? Yeah, I did watch this video. Uh, you know, Sean thought these were pretty decent pedals. I the what I thought was interesting about it, and if I think if I've got my story right here, these are uh, load cell, both or the throttle, brake, and clutch are all load cell. If I remember correctly, on these, and there's also an interesting way these things move it's all ball bearing uh, and you know if you show it in the video or you, as you see in the video i think the ball bearing mechanism looks pretty good many thought these were decent pedals you know they're not top of the line but 
overall pretty good. So I, I do think this is worth a watch if you're looking for some pedals. I thought what was interesting is there's a basically like a heel plate that you can attach to the pedal as opposed to a normal one where it would actually it rocks your whole foot so your heel actually comes up as you're pressing down on gas or brake your 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 whole you know the whole your whole foot is is moving as opposed to you know with the traditional base plate your your heel is staying planted flat and then you're moving the the, the pedal face so um I, I don't know if i would be into that he said it took him some time to get used to um could definitely couldn't do heel toe with it um it's an interesting interesting idea i just don't know if it's something i would want uh, that's what i was going to say is the heel plate thing is innovative i guess is the word i the like you said brad though is it really effective though um so i don't know either i mean 547 euros for all three uh pedals uh not a bad price i'd say competitive for what for what it is i just know me my feet move around a lot i, I you know i'll slide my my right foot to the side i mean i just i move around way too much to have something locked in like that all right raise your hand if you live close to a costco there you go mike oh, yeah. this was yours yeah I do Sam's Club, actually. I'm not a Costco guy. I'm a Sam's Club guy. But uh, Toasty Brothers uh, decides to buy a gaming computer on their YouTube channel at Costco on Thanksgiving week and give it uh, give you their review. And uh, he had a budget of $1,000, basically, and they went into Costco, videoed the whole thing, picked one out. I think it was the 4070 uh card it's a 4060 it was a 4060 oh, yeah do you remember brian what the results were i don't yeah it was um they they were, were tossed up in the air between the cyber power pc and the iBuy power pc that they sold sold at costco um they went with the cyber power pc because it had uh ddr5 ram so uh not bad um and um yeah so they tested it out and and were really uh, pretty impressed with the results you know for a thousand dollar gaming pc you know um of course they were tested on games like uh fortnite and and, uh, and Apex Legends stuff like that, but uh, they were actually pretty impressed with the with the performance on it. Now you know you know we get a little we get a little um, jaded in our view of, of graphics cards. You know thinking that a uh, forty sixty is like a low end card, but the forty sixty is still a really good card. Um, and considering the price of some of the GPUs out there, to get an entire um, PC for a thousand dollars with a 40 series graphics card, that's and with DDR5 RAM, is is a pretty good deal. And uh, yeah, they were pretty impressed with the performance. Didn't have any build issues or anything that they they could see. So uh, yeah, all, all all things considered. They they recommended you know if if that's your budget, uh, not maybe check something like this out at Costco. That's a very good point, and and you know better than anyone, Brian, as you build your new computer, just two or three components that you buy for the your computer cost a thousand dollars. So like your what the the processor, the power supply, and your memory. I mean, what do those three add up to? And motherboard. Yeah, I mean, I was probably over a thousand dollars before adding. before I got to a GPU. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that's my point is, you know, we build these massive computers, you know, custom built is what we usually do, and 
but we're spending quite a bit. But boy, if you have a budget, I mean, this might make sense, you know, as to trying to, you know, piece one together yourself to go buy it. Well, it's going to be run iRacing. Well, sure in, this, yeah. in this video, they didn't, but absolutely. Well, sure. There's no reason yeah. why I shouldn't. Again, it's if you're looking to run single screen, um, you're you're probably fine. If you're going to try to run probably VR or run triples, you're you're probably going to struggle. So, I mean, it's yeah, I think you're you're fine to do that. I mean, those of us that have been around for long enough understand what we want horsepower wise, and and we get um, we get what we want. You know. Well, the reason we do that, Brad, is longevity, right? We we want to buy the best money can buy and build it today thinking okay this pc is going to last me four or five years hopefully yeah i mean the intent is to you know i to get a, a few iterations out of a graphics card if you, if you got to do anything you got to increase you know change your gpu out but everything else your bones are still pretty good all right we got more reviews brad we have the sim magic p1000s yeah, so Dan Suzuki uh, reviewed the Sim Magic P1000 pedals. Um, spent some quite a bit of time talking about the the light and stuff. So, I mean, this is very similar to a lot of the reviews we've seen. Um, you know, these pedals do get uh, good reviews. Um, I looked at these myself when I was starting to build my stuff again. Um, decided to go a different direction. So, but um, I believe John, you got the 1000s or do you have the 2000s? Yeah, I got the the one thousand inverted hydraulic. Now these that he reviewed are they're the standard, not hydraulic. Uh, but you know, he said in his opinion these things performed insanely well. I think that was the term that he used. Very high on them. Um, you know, he said the only ones that he knows of that are better would of course be those Semicube Active, but. He said, for the price, you probably, unless you got money to burn, get the Sim Magics. Well, you know, when I was looking at these, when I was building my rig back in the summer, um, you know, years ago, we went through a couple different uh, sets of, you know, Fanatec stuff, um, and then had constant issues. Just, you know, set screws would 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 get loose and all kinds of problems. Um, you know, I had same pedals Mike had, the main performance. Um, uh, hydraulics, great set of pedals. So when I started looking at some of these, you know, I was I, I was leery just because being out of the game so long and, and understanding the problems that we had, I ended up going with the uh, the Husenfels sprints just simply because of the name recognition and, and how good they are. But um, you know, again, I think this is probably a great option. Had I not gone with what I did, I probably would have ended up here. So and I know you've been pretty happy with them, John. I have, but but you make a good point. I mean, the, the Husingfelds are, <laughs> I mean, they're known for quality, longevity. So that's and you got to take that into consideration. So you you didn't go wrong, that's for sure. No, and like I said, I was probably a little jaded. I, I spent many years with with Manitech, Fanatic, whatever you want to say. Um, you know, in the the first iterations of the club sports and all that, and you know, many a Saturday having to go to the hardware store and try to find something to fix the pedals so, so that I could make a race. Um, that was my only fear with some of that stuff. So now I'm going to jump ahead down further in the script. Uh, the Sim Pit also put out a video on sim magic p1000 add-ons specifically covering the haptic uh, motor things that you can attach to each pedal uh as well as the hydraulic add-on um you know what i after watching both of sean's videos 
I'm sold on these pedals. I mean, if I was buying pedals today, it, I'd be looking at uh, the inverted P2000s with all these add-ons with the haptics and the hydraulic and everything. And um, I just think, you know, based on what I heard, I'm, I'm very impressed. Uh, the way that Sean describes the haptics on the pedals, it's like game changing. You know, we spend, he says, we spent all this money on the, on the wheel, on the motor. So we can feel this force feedback in the motor. Cause it's so important as we drive, but to feel the similar kind of feedback in your feet as you push the pedals is just as valuable, if not more. And the combination of both of them is just outstanding. I mean, and he sold me on it. The other thing that Sean Cole did really good is explain to the people, like uh, the common people, what does it feel like when you use a hydraulic add-on on a brake or you use a hydraulic brake? And the way he described it is, it feels different when you're done braking. When you're done pushing down the pedal and you're you're backing off the pedal, when you use hydraulic, it doesn't push against your feet. It gradually comes back to its natural position as the fluid returns to the reservoir. But with uh, load cell pedals like the Heiskenvelds and so forth, where they use the elastomers, it's pushing back on your foot almost as much as you were pushing on the pedal when you're done braking and there's a different feel there. Well, absolutely. I mean, I can tell you, I can remember, I can still to this day feel the difference between the, the main performance and these, and that's it, it, a hydraulic pedal is going to give you a much more natural feel to way a, a pedal works. Um, and Mike's just spot on, you know, when you come off the brake, you know, the return of the pedal is driven by the, by the, the return of the fluid. So it's not an instant response. Um, you know, it's going to come back up. And I can remember that took some getting used to when I started to use those pedals years ago. So, um, but no, I think that it's probably good. But the haptic is a very interesting thing. You know, Sean did say probably if he was going to do it himself, he'd probably just put it on the brake. He didn't get a whole lot of it out of the clutch. A uh, clutch he did say about bite point, um, which would be interesting. That to me, that was interesting. Um, that's the one thing that I think that really lacks on a clutch. You know, for a game, is there's no bite point, and that's what you learn. You know, when you learn to drive a stick, you have to learn where that bite point is to change gears. Um, he said he got a lot of feedback from the brakes. Um, I, that's I think is is really cool. So I think you're going to see probably more options for these, um, and I'm hoping that some of us with non Sim Magic pedals, uh, I know there's some there's some some stuff available to to, to put on, but uh, I think you probably start to see more of this. And I think Mike's spot on we spend a fortune for direct drive wheels and ultimately i think you can a good set of pedals goes a lot further than a a super high-end wheel when it comes to racing yeah, it's got me thinking for sure about adding these haptic motor things to my pedals right now you know maybe that's my next buy because like you said there's kits out there you can get uh, to put on any pedals um, and so maybe that's going to be next on my wish list. Yeah. Um, if we get to it uh, a little later down the script, there's a Sim Magic shifter that we're going to review that also gets high marks. The reason I bring it up is because Sim Magic is fairly new to this industry, to this Sim racing market, and they have really stepped up their game and really put out good products. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked because when I, when they first when we first started.
started talking about sim magic i i kind of thought of them as like a cheap a cheap um a for, um a cheap product from overseas Chinese but it's not from Hong Kong. yeah exactly but it's not they're quality stuff yeah You're right i mean I, I, Oh, sorry, Brad. I was going to say, when we first started talking about Sim Magic, we were just very leery. Oh, man, we got a company from Hong Kong. They got a direct drive wheel. Ugh, you can't buy it anywhere. There's no warranty. I mean, it was like really sketchy. Yeah, I mean, I've got the, the Alpha uh, wheelbase and, you know, we've we've talked. I had an issue and sent it back to the the uh, the U.S. retailer and got it fixed. Um but I've been happy with it. Have had no issues since it came back. Um, really like the the feel of it. Um, I think they've been around for four years. I think I saw something on uh, on X today where they you know basically celebrating four years. So uh, yeah, I, I watched tons and tons of reviews when I started to make decisions. Um, but no, I, they they I, they continue to bring out good products. Um, so that's good. All right, moving on. Let's move to Moza. And we actually have two videos here about Moza Racing's upgraded or version two R16 and R21 wheel bases. Uh, I watched both of these videos, Simpit, and uh, I don't know who the other one is. And I don't, I don't think I came away with a real understanding of what's exactly been updated. <laughs> but they don't sell the version one anymore. They just sell the version two. And I think the biggest thing is the pricing has gone down. I think uh, he said at one point it started at 1300, but now it's selling at a thousand. Yeah. These videos suggested they they've maybe done an upgrade uh, to the direct drive, the, the, or excuse me, the force feedback algorithm. And then I think the, uh, the QR, is different so that you can use some of the newer Moza wheels on this one on the on version one some of the newer ones wouldn't work but now all their their wheels will work on this new one i see okay and you know between Moza and sim magic i mean who's got the most mojo yeah i want to say sim magic uh you know kind of like brian said their products really pop well, I mean, I think we've talked before from an ecosystem. I think Moza has a really good, um, a lot of wheel options, very similar to, to uh, Fanatec. Um, but I think probably done a better job um, than Fanatec has done in the last, you know, couple of years with marketing and stuff like that. Um, so not, not a bad option, I don't think. It's. It, I would say either option is better than Fanatec, really. I, I, there are so many horror stories in the Fanatec forums right now on Facebook. Uh, people ordering product on Black Friday and they still haven't got it. Or ordering product and getting an email saying, we've canceled your order, the price was too low accidentally. Well, they've never been very good with customer service. When I had to mess with them years ago, it, it was always just... You know, it took two days to get a response because they didn't have anything in the U.S. You were dealing with Germany every time, and it was it was just painful. All right, and let's move on to the before mentioned uh, magnetic shifter from Sim Magic. There's two videos here from the same uh, person, though. He's got a short reel where he just focuses on the sound of it. And guess what? This thing's loud, guys. I, I think that's the only drawback to this shifter. 
this was on my list when I was building the rig um, until I watched a video with the sound of it. And I went, oh, gosh, that's really loud. Um, that was my one reason for not getting this was just because of the sound of it. Yeah, if you got other people in the house, this is key. Uh, you know, as you go through the gears, I mean, you don't want to drive people crazy. It does have a um, H pattern and sequential mode to it, though. So that's it gives you some um, some options as far as that goes. Um, you know, there's there's not a whole lot that that offer that. Um, and uh, you know, BDH shifter doesn't have it yet, um, and uh, these guys do. It's kind of neat. Um, a neat way of shifting into reverse and the seventh gear if you ever need a seventh gear you know instead of pushing down like you do on a lot of them push down and go and go into into reverse this has a little pull-up feature that's on the the shaft of the uh of the shifter that you lift up to go into reverse i like the shifter i mean uh, the functionality of it the the look of it how it's mounted yeah it's just the sound throws me off if you're not worried about sound this is this would be a decent choice yeah, um, I don't know. Some people like the clunky, clunky sounds when shifting. I don't know if it's it would be overwhelming in this one or not, but um, I know some people do like that clunky, clunky sound of shifting. Yeah, I, you know, mine makes noise, but not like this one does. This one seems to be louder. Well, let's shift on to the uh, next shifter, which is the MME Motorsport shifter. MME Motorsport. I haven't actually heard of them before, but yeah, they they put out. Uh, a video here and they say wow this feels great is the most common response we get when people try our h and sequential shifter it's, i watch this video very similar to the concern i would have with the the sim magic it's loud uh, it looks beefy it looks like it takes some force to change gears but it's another one that's loud it was quite loud you're right are they doing and that on uh, purpose yeah i, I, think, I, I think to a point yeah well but Again, I mean, depending on what you're driving, if you're coming I mean, down through three gear, three or four gears to a to a hairpin, you're gonna it's gonna be loud. But I, I, look, I, guys, we do reviews on this stuff every week. I mean, the amount of options and choices people have now is crazy. And, and the more vendors we've got, the more companies that are making this stuff. I think the better it is for for everybody because it, it, competition is probably the best thing. Um, every day and doesn't matter what the market is so i mean for years there was there was no other options you know it was fanatech <laughs> that was the only option or logitech that was it that that's right. the only two choices you had um it's just that such a good time to be a sim racer so i went to their yeah. website mme-motorsport.com and it's 450 euros plus vat um for the one that does both h and sequential or just the sequential is also 450 and it does say unit will be available to purchase in january 2024 and will be premiered at the uh, sim expo in germany all right mike while we're on um h pattern shifters i'm going to jump a couple spots to uh to will ford at boosted media who reviewed the bdh shifter which uh we've talked about before this is the bazooka shifter this is the bomb proof uh, um uh, metal shifter and he gets to reviewed to review it and and the reason i'm partially the reason i'm um, switching to this because if you are in the market for uh, a h pattern shifter or even a convertible h pattern to sequential 
watch this video because he doesn't just do the BDH shifter. He compares it to the other ones that we just talked about. He compares it to the uh, the MME shifter. He compares it to Sim Magic, even the uh, old style club sport uh, from Fan Attack. And he gives a really good insight on the on the comparisons between the two. Um, again, the BDH shifter is just um, it's it's a beast. It's it feels amazing as far as moving it around. Um, the 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 tension adjustment is all is 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 super. Um, it's it's definitely the top of the line. But at but you're also getting a unit that does not have sh um, sequential shifter capability yet. They they've they've talked to uh, Mike before. Mike inquired about it, and I'd heard it before too that they're looking they're uh, they're they're looking to introduce a, a shifter version, a sequential version. Uh, but you know this is also a $1,400 shifter. So, I mean, compared to some of the ones that we just looked at, is it, you know, he gives his input as to whether he thinks it's worth that that extra step up in price uh, compared to some of the ones we were just talking about. And, uh, yeah, if, if you want to get a, a good comparison between the, those, those, yeah, watch this video from Boosted Media. I'm sold on the look of it. I mean, the industrial, you know, shiny metal, you know, no plastic, you know, it, it just looks like it's bulletproof. Yeah. And, and he did mention, uh, you know, if you go strictly by feel, you know, what feels like a real shifter, this by far is, um, the head of the class and, and you're paying for it. <laughs> that is a steep ticket though. All right. I'll get this one. Uh, since I kind of tend to be one of the LMP drivers, Zidin, Zidin, uh, is that a typo? It's actually just Zen, isn't it? On the on the Instagram account, yeah. we've got an inst we, we, we've got Instagram. You're, it's already hard enough to pronounce these names, Brian. And then you're going to start making it look like it's um, Polish or or something. I don't know uh, where where there's like five consonants in a row. Zen Sim Wheels is offering the ZS LMP Pro steering wheel, um, and it's a nice looking LMP style wheel, but it's almost like a formula wheel except it's rounded on the edges but both the top and bottom are cut off it's got a pretty massive button loadout wheels and three paddles on the back uh screen and leds on the top i couldn't find a price but i do could find out that they were based out of the netherlands yeah 1389 euros actually that's not bad especially with the screen on it I like the buttons. They look like a, that higher quality button. Um, I like that the rotaries are within reach uh, without letting go of the grip. I mean, there's a lot of good things to like about this. A lot of carbon fiber. I'm not sure I like them putting the name of their wheel across the display, though. I, I don't know if I like Zen Sim Wheels. Besides that, I like the look of it. That's really going to drive me nuts while I'm while I'm driving around with VR over my eyes. <laughs> well, you don't need a display, that's for sure. Yeah, that's that's for sure as well. Well, I, you know, I don't use uh, th these kinds of wheels, but in just looking at this, just the visual, it seems to me the buttons are laid out really well, convenient, easy to reach compared to a lot of others I've seen. Yeah, everything except for the the rotor the the well there's there's kind of thumb rotors and then there's rotors that you have to twist if if you understand what I mean there the ones down in the middle of the bottom you'd actually have to take your hand off to get to those encoder 
Okay, encoder. Yeah, you're generally going to use those if you want to change a traction control setting in the middle of the race or an engine map. That's that's what I end up using those for most of the time. All right, we've got a spa cockpit, or it's named after spa. Or oh, it's an LMP cockpit. Yeah, it's an LMP cockpit, and it's a rouge, which really means basically red, right? Doesn't that mean red in French? Rouge is the name of the company, and they got the LMP rig. Um, anyway, what's unique about this is it's offset. It's not equidistant or you're not sitting in the center of the cockpit. You're on the driver's side, so to speak. I, I could see this working if you're in VR. I'm just trying to, to figure out how I'm putting triples on this. Really short triple mounts? Well, you, you wouldn't mount your triples to it. You would have to do freestanding to make this work right, I would think. Even that, I think, would be hard because it's not i don't know i think that'd even be a struggle because it's not centered i don't know it doesn't look comfortable i just can't imagine getting in and out of that thing at 50 years old so wait a minute so what's the purpose of it being off center i'll just th throw that out i guess so that you have more room for a dash on the left side if it's a if it's a right it, it's set up to be a right side uh car so you so british style so you have more room for the so shifter. So you can have your shifters and, and your handbrakes and your buttons all on one side. Yeah. Well, given the way it reclines and how low it is, if they'll throw in a free Hoyer lift, I might be interested. Either that or you have to just set it on a shelf. We start a new tradition. Yeah, no price. Rig, rig on a shelf. Yeah, no price on their website. Um, these, this is the company that makes that cool seat that blows air into the seat. That sounds pretty cool. They also say you can do left or right configured, so you can offset it one way or the other. Well, yeah, because you just put it in where you want, and I guess technically you could not offset it if you didn't want to. We could offset. It's just wider, right? Because you could you could almost do the same thing with a with a regular rig. You can move your seat over just a little. So you mentioned uh, mounting triples, Brad. The next topic involves triples. Yeah, so OC Racing uh, was ready to upgrade to triple 42-inch uh, 4K monitors. Uh, I watched this a few days ago. Um, yeah, he spent quite a bit of time talking about uh, just how much better things looked at at 4K. Um, my concern, you know, you got to have some some hardware to push it, um, you know. But uh, again, that uh, yeah, 42. I think is it's big. I think it's probably too big, um, unless you just got lots of room. Um, you know, get in and out with a you know, again. So, but yeah, 4K. I think it's coming. I think that's the way to go. Um, again, you just gotta have some hardware to push it. Yeah, it's on my list to get a uh, larger triples that are freestanding. Uh, 42 is probably the minimum size, up to maybe 55s. Um, you know, I'll, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I wish instead of starting a podcast, I started a YouTube sim racing equipment review channel because these guys get sent this stuff for free and they get to keep it like this guy got these three triples for free from the uh, monitor company i think it was lg's yeah they were lg oled evo 42 c3 monitors um so yes yeah, for free three of them 
So I have a question. Are these actual computer monitors or these TVs that are uh, being used for gaming? Because when I watched the video, you know, he had a had a remote control just like a regular TV would. It did, you know, most monitors I see don't have remote controls. Yeah, these are TVs. So but how the specs are like monitors? Yeah. So what what is the difference in the specs that that makes the difference now? Is there a difference? Usually, latency? it's the refresh rate, right? Yeah, it was like one millisecond or something. They had good specs. How many hertz uh, refresh rate was it? it was like a 144 or something like that? 120? I think it was 120. So it's almost like some of these TVs are are, are um, being made now with uh, with the specs that a, a gaming proper gaming monitor would be coming in. I think you're right. The line is blurred now between TVs and monitors, at least at this size. It seems like that, you know, I, I, I think the difference is, Brian, if, if you go into the Walmart and you buy the cheapest 42 inch TV you can find, that's not a monitor. That's going to have TV like specs. But if you get the best LG that money can buy, you know, at a 42 inch, yeah, it's going to have these monitor specs. Yeah. Most most of the TVs are coming with either 60 or 120, and it looks like the 4Ks, generally, you're going to want to go for 120. Yeah, just looking at the specs on the LG website, this is less than one millisecond. Um, and so they're G-Force uh, monitors. So, they, yeah, they're, they're as good as gaming monitors. You think that might be a part of the market on the TV side bec because of consoles? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, some of the consoles are coming in that can push that kind of of, uh, of settings. Yeah. All right, let's get away from monitors for a second and talk about you know as many things as we see. I'm not not used to seeing something that surprises me, and this one's a little unique. I, I like the design, though. I'm still going to say go eighty twenty, but it's pretty neat looking. It's a Nova Simrig. It's available for pre-order for Q4 delivery, and um, well, we're basically at the end of Q4, so I wonder if they're sending them out now already or not. Uh, but it's it's a slightly different look. It's kind of got a almost a roll cage for the feet. It reminds me of a bobsled kind of. I don't know. It's a tubular type cockpit. Uh, pretty sleek. It's got some neat color scheme, you know, like a gray on the metal, but then some bright blue on some of the, like the feet and the, the seat rails. The price blew me away. Holy cow. The X cage, which is just the rig, no seat, no motion, $3,000. No, 3,000 euros. Okay, bye. Wow. Thank you, thank you next. Now I'm going to click on the motion page and tell you a price. Yeah, uh, I'm with there, the motion, fourteen thousand five hundred ninety euros. Well, that probably includes the motion hardware, right? It looks like D box type actuators. Yeah. Yeah, it's too high. It it, it looks neat, but that that's too high. And again, we've talked before. It's 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 not eighty twenty. There's there's not a whole lot of you cannot do much customization when it comes to that. What you've got is what you've got. So it sounds like the Novus would be a no for us. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have the Huskinville Magshift review by OC Racing. How about this one, John? Yeah. So, and I think we've uh, looked at this one maybe before. Um, but uh, yeah, the Bazooka Shifter, you know, a lot of shifters coming out on the market, but this is one that 
you know, it's over a thousand bucks, so it's in it's in that high price category. Performs well, a good shifter. You know, I think it comes down to that doing your research to figure out what you want, and then uh, ultimately, what am I willing to spend? Uh, yeah. So the price is actually three hundred seventy-one euros for the Heiskenville mag shift. Is that the one we're looking at? Yeah, I watched the video, and I think what he ends up, you know, again, is it is it really worth it? Maybe yes, maybe no. Um, I do like the way it looks. Um, I do like some of the flexibility with the mounting. Um, with the mounting brackets, you can actually pivot the the shifter. So um, it's it's small, it's compact. I mean, literally, we just sit right on top of a piece of eighty twenty uh, with no issues. Um, you know, and but. I don't know. I, I, I'm one of those guys that if the, you know, if if the car is an H pattern, I want to use an H pattern. If it's a sequential, I want to use a sequential. If it's got, if it's a paddle shifter, I want to use a paddle shifter. You know, there's so many guys that just use paddle shifters for everything, and yeah, yeah it's easier to do that. But part of the challenge to me is shifting gears. That that's part of the realism, you know, that that, that you want to try to recreate. And we we talk about. You know all these different shifters and stuff like that, and, and you know the bazooka, the the BDH, that'd be great. But unfortunately, more race cars are heading towards sequential, so I can't see the investing in that when you're just not going to have the. You know, again, I'm trying to simulate reality is what some of us try to do. Um, so again, if you've got endless amounts of cash, you can do whatever you want to do. But uh, this is still on my wish list, believe it or not, because I like the way it looks. I do wish Sound the uh, H pattern. I do wish the H pattern worked on the one I have currently. It's stuck in sequential because it b bugs out an H pattern. Uh, but these days, since I don't go back and run the old stock cars that much, I'm not overly concerned with it. I mostly run either sports cars, which are paddle, or the cup car, which is sequential. Uh, sorry, guys, I was talking about the wrong one a while ago when I started. But this one also has some buttons on it, so it's like a isn't this sort of a combo shifter slash button box? Well, you can use the the software, and it's got three buttons, but you can set them up to do anything in the software. But you can the way the software allow you to push it quickly, it'll be do something, but then you can also hold it, and it would it'll do another thing as well. So um, again, magnets not completely new. So Magic uses them, um, but again, you know it, it's who's making it it's gonna last their all their stuff is virtually bulletproof all right brian we got another rig yeah this is uh called the exodus xr1 cockpit um it was reviewed by alan kwan on his youtube channel um it's an 80 20 rig um has kind of a little different look than typical 8020 does, uh, where the um, the posts that come up for your um, wheelbase are kind of angled towards you, uh, with a with an interesting big triangular looking faceplate that uh, that makes the attachment points there. So an interesting uh, way to do that. Um, yeah, it's a. It looks pretty solid. Uh, I do. I did check a little bit of the video out from Alan Kwan, and uh, he was fairly impressed with it. Uh, Price-wise, um, it was. Uh, I think it was eight hundred Australian. Is what he uh, quoted it as, which is um, which is pretty pretty reasonable in American money. So, uh, price-wise, it looks like a good deal too. 
Yeah, it's it's got that design, like you said. It does use eighty twenty, but on the the mounts that mount, you know, the uprights to the the crossbars, they're all flat steel, like probably a one inch half steel or half inch half uh, steel plates, uh, which you know you they can put their sticker on and stuff. So, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, if you're looking for a formula style rig, that's this is we'll give you that option. All right, Brad, what are what is this topic or video about essential controls? Is that basically telling us what we should bind or is this a piece of software? Uh, it kind of walks through if you in iRacing, go to options and you've got all the different stuff that you can bind, uh, different things to your wheel, you know, from a screenshot to your ignition starter, uh, brake bias. So it, I watched it. It's pretty good for somebody who's who's new to it. Um, you know, it gives you some good ideas of all the different stuff that you can do. You can just basically walk through the entire options. Uh, takes a wheel and just kind of gives you an idea. So um, yeah, it's just a good how-to, maybe a refresher. Or if, again, somebody gets a new wheel for Christmas and they've got lots of buttons. Um, there you go. Have at it. Yeah, if you've been racing a long time, you just kind of add them as you go and learn what you need and what you don't. Um, but this would be a very good video for very new players. Yeah, um, I don't do tons of road racing, you know, but I do have a formula wheel um, that has tons of buttons on that I don't map. I don't map out. Um, so this this would be a good video for me or someone like me who doesn't do a ton of road racing and doesn't really worry about mapping their buttons um, to show you what, what are good ideas. So I, I thought this could be something useful for somebody like myself. Well, yeah, he's yes. given definitions uh, too. Like when you see second clutch, uh, you know, you might be like, well, what does this mean? A second clutch? I mean, a car doesn't have a second clutch. No, it's just a second way of binding a clutch to controls. You can have control a and you can have control b be the same thing and so he talked he kind of explains that and if you're like you if you're new or novice you might not understand it you know unless you somebody's told you that does he cover macros like clear tires clear fuel and things like that no real no well sort of real quickly yeah. you know on the the, the text chat screen is where you can put those in. Uh, but, you know, you also talked about as far as an actual button box, not your wheel, you know, mapping stuff to that as well. So um, a, a good video. Again, if you're new or like Brian, you need a little refresher. Yeah. If you have a button box, a lot of your, a lot of your buttons are going to get taken up with, with that. You know, I, my right side is pretty much all car pit control stuff one and some of it's integrated with jrt uh if i'm in a fixed length race where i, I don't have to worry about cost is changing the length of it i can literally flick a button and it gives me just one liter of extra fuel um based on what the current calculation is i've got clear tires right tires no tires i've got clear fuel i've got max fuel um uh what else i've got i can adjust the right the, the two two ride height adjusters right i used to be able to adjust the tape but i think i've got that set to to uh well on some cars i have it set to brake bias i think on on the cup car it's empty because i actually use my paddles for brake bias in the cup car since i use the sequential shifter uh, but yeah you can use a whole lot of different things both in the game and if you integrate with some of your for some third-party software you can do a lot all right, final story I'll take is a rig review. I found this picture on Facebook. I don't know whose rig it is, but 
uh, it's wood, two by fours. Uh, he painted them, uh, but he's got a, a very simple base. He's got a nice, comfortable chair. Uh, he's got four wheels, actual uh, Daytona radial wheels uh, on each corner. So I guess it can roll, actually. But uh, a G27, a single monitor, a PC. Uh, and he's got a, a little simmed in, too. He's got the uh, Jack Daniels lamp. He's got uh, the portrait of Dale Earnhardt Sr. And, of course, a, a really nice die-cast collection. So what do you guys think uh, about this one? It's cute. Well, it That's shows hard. you. You don't need a budget. You know, you can make do. Uh, I mean, a lot of us started sitting in front of a just in front of a desk and a chair, you know, and having to take and build something to to put behind the the pedals so they didn't slide when you when you hit when when you got on them. You know, I remember building a wooden box to go behind the pedals so that would go up against the wall with the cushion on it so I didn't tear up the wall. But because otherwise you get on the brakes, you know, the pedals were slide away from you. So uh, we all start somewhere. Yeah, I had a my g27 clamped to a actually a glass desk and i was always worried about shattering that glass because i'd find myself in the middle of a race i kind of realize what i'm doing i'm literally yanking that wheel off of that desk i'm ripping that baby off i mean i'm just like totally into it i'm sideways i'm leaning over my head's turned one side flopping like a fish yeah, this guy's at least going to have his pedals stable, right? Which was just, I know what I didn't know how much I was struggling with the fact that my office chair would move. Okay, let's jump to results. We got the Winter Series League, David P12. Yeah, probably should have been P10 or 11. I lost some long run speed on the second run because I got in an incident that didn't bring out a caution. But uh, me and Brad were talking about this most of the race. There's a couple of guys who want to race like Ryan Newman instead of instead of Mark Martin. If you run somebody down from five seconds behind and you've got fresher tires, yeah, you you can fight if the, if they catch if the guy catches you, you can hold him up. But should you? Um, I take them. I generally take the Mark Martin approach, unless it's somebody who's earned the reason for me to, to make it harder on them. Right? Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe I have done something to this guy, but but he did the same thing to Brad when Brad was trying to pass him. So I don't think it was he was trying to punish me. He just thinks oh, this guy catches me, but I'm going to make him pass him. So I'm going to hold him down every corner. I'm going to force him to the inside lane in turn one instead of letting him take the second second inside lane. Um, and to me, that's actually, it's just poor racecraft because you're not, if there's 40 laps left, you're not going to hold a guy that's faster than you up for that long. And you're basically just setting, you're putting yourself in a position for an accident to happen. And the accident happened. I drove in too deep because I got impatient after five to 10 laps of being stuck behind him. Um, the accident was my fault, but the accident still would have happened if he'd drive more like Mark Martin and less like Ryan Newman. So I apologize for the accident. I take full blame for the accident. It's not his fault that I drove in too deep, but sure wouldn't have drove in too deep if I didn't get stuck behind him for 10 laps, would I? 
Uh, Greg, he got wrecked out pretty early. Brad, P9. Yeah, so started P15, uh, ended up P9, you know, really had to kind of work to manage the tires throughout the race. Um, I really didn't have a whole lot of confidence going into this. I had turned some laps Tuesday night, uh, was not comfortable at all. Um, but, you know, just kind of just got better as the race went on. Um, you know, to, to follow up what David said, it's just... Uh, it's very frustrating you know i'm just i'm the kind of guy that if you run me down i'm just gonna let you go it's there's no point in fighting um you know my goal is then you'll burn your tires off and i'll, I'll get back to you um you know this car is car is very hard to pass in to begin with um it's very difficult to make passes and when again just yeah i we talked about a lot i was i was getting very frustrated um so but i was really happy to come home with the with the, a top 10 um you know, again, I've had horrible luck so far this year, this year in the in, in the league. Um, I've gotten wrecked out multiple times, so uh, just just glad to put a whole race together. And uh, I was wore out last night, and I was tired. We got done. Caution free too. So uh, Justin P16, very good, clean race. Really didn't figure out how to drive the track until the second half of the race. I got P20. That's about what I deserved. Uh, ran my tires off the first run faded you know and tried the second run not to do that but it kind of did and yeah p20 all right moving on to uh winter nis thursday open earlier today at watkins Glen. justin pearson p1 he wins in winter nis his first road win ever on the series on, not on the series, but on the service. He's never won on road until now. But uh, what a way to win. Winter NIS is pretty prestigious. Uh, I told him that, and uh, I even went and found his uh, certificate for him that showed his first road win. And uh, But I'm pretty proud of him uh, getting that done. Uh, okay, I'm going to go into my races. I ran a bunch of stuff. Rally car at Mount Washington. Uh, we did that next level racing uh, contest and time, time trials. Um, got up to 40th at the highest, actually. Then I ran Draft Mass, Draft Meister, Draft Master trucks at Daytona. The guy was pushing on the outside, wrecked the entire field on lap five. I still survived to finish P8. Next up, FIA F4 at Olton Park finished p8 next up chris mcguire hosted indycar at charlotte started 42nd out of 49 a dnf then moved on to supercars at michigan was leading on the white but was a sitting duck and the guy behind me won the race then we moved to 87s at talladega p10 and then finally a win daytona prototypes the riley at talladega it was total pack racing like three wide big old pack you know 10 deep i actually started dead last i got up to the front quick going around the outside of everybody and literally won the race uh really proud of that win uh draft master uh fixed car of tomorrow or gen 5 at daytona top split qualified fifth ended up leading some laps near the end but was a sitting duck on the final and the guy in second uh you know set me up and passed me by just a hair at the line p2 then i ran it again somebody spun on the start i had a pass through penalty ended up p13 and then uh next i got to the front 
was leading the most laps, leading on the white on the back stretch. The guy in second literally goes below the yellow and then tries to shove me up, but I don't go up and I hold my line and we both get wrecked, P16. Now you guys, I showed you the replay. You said I need to protest that one. Yep. Don, you said it was a clear protest, right? Oh yeah. I mean, that that's that was so bad. That's when you just got to say, yeah, I'm going to protest. I mean, I'm not I'm not a big protest guy, you know, cuz stuff happens, but that one send it in. I protest a lot because I get protested a lot for for BS. So, I have protested this and it's come back successful but if the guy's record's clean he's going to get a warning but but you've got to get that warning on there so that if he's a repeat offender he'll get more later yeah i mean i didn't show you the before the uh video before he, he destroyed me he was pushing me like trying to you know upset my car to get me to go up he was touching me you know and I, I would call out over the radio to him, like, is that how you have to win the race? You have to, you know, touch people? Why don't you go around? And that's when he pulled the move to the, under the yellow line and wrecked us both. You know, I probably goaded him on verbally uh, by saying that, and uh, I don't know. All right, Brad Wren, how about your races? So I did a couple of the uh, weekly race challenges uh, in the GT4 at Laguna Seca. Uh, first one uh, started P11, uh, just got over aggressive a lap two and, and spun, uh, drove back to 14, uh, had good pace, just pressed too hard at the beginning. Um, ran another one uh, Sunday afternoon, started P16, finished 13th. Um, you know, they had the unfortunate of getting in a European server with a, a bunch of really fast guys. So, uh, you know, I finished exactly where I deserved. Uh, and then this week I've run uh, one race at the at Olton Park in the Ray FF 1600. It's a fun little car. Uh, started P9, unfortunately got to the third corner and a guy just sent it from about five cars back, uh, hit my right rear, launched himself into the air, took out four other cars and ended up with suspension damage. Uh, so ended up having to do a fast repair and got back up to p15 so gonna try to get another one of those in um just you know unfortunate on that end open john it looks like you were farming you know i was covid racing man i, <laughs> I had covid last week the bad news is i had covid good news is when you got covid you got a lot of time to race so i did i put some most of my results in here this were this was the uh legacy kentucky track I did got a P5, then a P5, then a P6, a P8, a P6, and a P3. So, you know, good, good finishes. I mean, I was happy with them. It just, I just couldn't crack that top spot. But I, I had that track pretty well figured out. Yeah, so that's farming for sure. Brad, you had a P9. Yeah, so uh, ran one A open at Kentucky. Um, you know, had a, had a good time. You know, uh, we were talking really struggling trying to get through the corner there um you know really just kind of had to adjust my line and, and really focus on on running uh consistent um but fell back early you know we ended up with a had one caution at like lap 30 something end up with a 66 lap run to the finish um so again just conserving tires and as the race went on just again getting faster because guys are just burning off their stuff which i love I, I love getting a long run um and i think we're starting to see some of that with the oval refresh too it definitely feels better um these last few weeks as uh, compared to what it was before 
Wait, Draftmaster John, P16, P12. Yeah, ran two of them and got wrecked each race, you know. If, I mean, it's usual Draftmaster. Uh, you might squeak through those wrecks, you might not. And the two I did, I didn't squeeze through. Yeah, I was, I was talking about this week, does it make sense for me to go farming? Because it's the Gen 5 car like I did last time. I don't know if it makes sense to. I mean, uh, before I needed to because I was in a championship battle and uh, I needed that I rating so I could get more championship points and so forth. And I saved my season by doing it. But now when it's off season and we're getting ready to set division for NIS, you know, come up on the Daytona 500, I don't know if I want to have some, you know, thousand more I rating than I have right now. So I don't know if I'm going to keep running it this week. It's still an open topic. Well, I think you were what division three last season. Yeah. I think a move to two, two would be good. My only concern is if you, you know, farming a bunch of I rating, you're going to get in division one and you're going to be stuck there. And I don't think you're going to, you're going to struggle point wise. I think it's going to be the problem. Yeah. I don't want to be in one necessarily. So that's why I'm, I'm double thinking this for sure. All right, be open, Brad, top split. Yeah, top split Sunday afternoon. Started uh, 17th, finished 16th, really kind of where I deserve. But uh, gosh, it was fun. Um, again, caution-free race. Uh, B car was a, was a blast at Texas. Uh, really enjoying uh, this, the refresh. So again, have to kind of work to save your stuff. I uh, was changing line quite a bit as the, as the run went on. Um, so really just having a good time in the Opal cars again. All right, John, P5. Yeah, I did a P5. I mean, it, we, we had, you know, fortunately, we didn't have a lot of cautions in what I did. Um, I don't think I qualified in this race. I just kind of laid back and worked my way up and uh, finished P5. I was happy with it. I mean, it was, I'm like Brad. I, I like that old Texas track. I wish it had never changed. I liked it the old way. So, yeah, fun track. Um, I do like that B car. I may get into that a little bit more. And then C opened P7. Yeah, that was, uh, those were the trucks. And I think that was Michigan. No, I'll take that back. That was uh, this week. That was Talladega. And only had one caution. But as usual, there was the big one at the end. I mean, start finish line, there was a huge pile up. And I zigzagged zig my way through it and got a P7 out of it. So I was happy I got out of it without damage. Right, and that brings us to final thoughts, David Hall. So, or December thirtieth, we'll look for a post. We'll do some kind of a goofball race with the IMSA cars, um, probably in the afternoon, so we don't compete with Chris McGuire. Right? Uh, we'll see when when everybody from the team can show up. So we'll throw out a social media post and see what happens. Okay, Brian McCubbin, final thoughts. I uh, just wish everybody a Merry Christmas coming up. Happy, safe, fun uh, Christmas. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you after the holidays, right? That's right. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Brad Wren, final thoughts. Uh, just same thing that Brian said. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, you know, I hope everybody gets, a, gets something they want for some reason. And, uh, you know, just looking forward to having a little bit of time off and hopefully get a few more races in. So happy with the way things are going right now. All right, very good. John Curley, final thought? Yeah, I've kind of settled into the new rig and, and got things adjusted the way I want. I will say it's a it's a new experience. It's a good thing. Uh, working on those triples now, I've got the monitors. Went out and bought some 32-inch curved monitors. 
So I've got to get those up and going and uh, want to see what that's like. So I'm excited. And uh, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Oh, you're going to love triples. It's a, it's a whole new experience. And uh, I want you to try my gyro view, the view I run. I actually posted the settings in the chat just a couple nights ago for Justin. I want uh, Justin was going to try it. But uh, it's a little different uh, than what most people run. So you'll have to give it a shot. But as far as what my final thoughts, uh, yeah, the rig is up and running after the move. I've, I've adjusted a few things. I still don't have a fan. One of my fans doesn't work. I haven't really tried to fix it. I guess I'm lazy. Uh, like I said, I'm still thinking bigger triples. I'm thinking haptics on our, my pedals. Uh, but just wishful thinking at this point uh, with Christmas and everything. I'm just not looking to spend money right now. So with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.